Hello everybody and welcome to Julian Jones Was Live in the 90s. I have a very special guest for you today, somebody very special to my heart and also somebody special to me in my career. We worked very strongly together for quite a few years and we also lived together for a few years, not romantically, just as housemates. Gosh, was it such a great time. So I'd like to take a moment to introduce to you all director Joe O'Shaughnessy. Joe, welcome to the show. Oh, thank you, Julian. I am absolutely amazed and stunned that you thought of me to be on your show. I think, for me, you stood out. I mean, I've got a list of guests on my phone of people that were very special to me at work. And what I mean is they were extremely professional, but also so bloody friendly on set. And it's you don't always get that combination. So you were really such a special new friend to me 20 years ago. Well, thanks, Jules. And I remember you. You stood out because, of course, you know, it was just one look from across the set and we <laughs> knew, wasn't it? It was like, you know, it family was. love. Yes. <laughs> it was, though. It was very special. Yeah. And, you know, I, yeah. w- I went through a really rough time at that time and, and – Not everybody steps up for you in rough times, right? And you don't expect everyone Mm. to. But, you know, I I found myself nearly homeless. And here's this wonderful, beautiful, successful, huge director in Australia steps up and she goes, I'm going to move in with you. And it was (laughs) life-changing. It was so special. Uh, All my fears went away and there was laughter and fun and it was like my mate had moved in with me honestly and it was yeah it was just the best time and I must thank you for a number of reasons because I think I remember it differently I remember I was almost homeless (laughs) and we were chatting and you said that you were now there by yourself and I went well that works out really well that's right. Uh, so my memory is, yeah, it was me going, Julian, help. Oh, fair income. <laughs> See, I, well, obviously we were both in the same place at the same time. And it was. That's, that's right. And I had two dogs and you mm-hmm. just, you took them up as your own babies and you loved them so hard and it made it so much yeah. easier on me. Thank well, they you. were just the most gorgeous dogs too. You know, it's. You know, I wasn't a dog person before I came to um, live with you because really? I'd been terrified of dogs as a child. Oh. I'd, had, I'd had a few incidents. Yeah, right. And even as an adult, I had a few incidences. Okay. Um, and so the combination of you mm. and my gorgeous gal yes, um, and all of her dogs, I completely got over that. But what made it really easy is that your dogs were really beautiful, like oh. just so friendly and and trusting. Yeah, and you know, I I could trust them back, and it was it was great, you know. And I had that particular soft spot for Kazi. She was a very yeah. special oh. girl. She was a leader. Yeah, but just so in tune with you, she, you know. She was, and I think that's yeah. the thing. And this is and and. Honestly, so I don't know if you know this, but I studied um, dog psychology at some stage a couple of years after that. Um, Oh, really? No, I didn't know that. Well, and it's really interesting because I think some of the techniques that I used, and you said, you know, trust and love and being vulnerable with a dog. And 
I mean, honestly, when I look at it, I've also worked for Lifeline and I'm trained in that that side of, of life as well. And the combination of psychology is very much the same, you know. You you give love and trust, find people's vulnerability, be beautiful with that, don't take advantage of it. And, you know, you get a really great result. Yeah, well, you certainly did. Thank and it, it worked for me and at a time when I probably really needed it. Yeah. Um, the other thing that I need to thank you for is for oh. introducing me to video games. Yeah. And I don't know. <laughs> and we would sit by that roaring fire oh. with our mezze plates and our wine yeah. and we would just smash endless hours of Star Wars. You always won. But I really enjoyed it. <laughs> Do you know what? I remember us thinking, let's smash things out. Like we wanted to smash things up, but we couldn't. Oh, so when, yeah. We would well, that was like, what would we do? Yeah, because yeah. we'd, we'd play, play shoot them up because we'd get home and we'd both be so sort of have underlying frustrations mm-hmm. and um, anger and we'd just go, no, let's just pour it into this um, – uh, this game, <laughs> and we did, and I've I've really not played like that since. Like I do, okay, I probably play Xbox once every three months now. You know, it's not as yeah. it's not the same as it used to be. But with you, it was so enjoyable. There was no arguments. We really got the hang of it, and we really it just worked. We were a great team, baby. Yeah, we were a great team. Yeah, we we were, and I just and I my my enduring memory is. Oh, swap spots! I'm getting really hot near the fire. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, because we would sit- have that roaring. Yeah. I'd, ha- I'd have to massage your shoulders because you were hunched over playing the game for like. Oh, that's right. It was yeah, crazy. <laughs> we were crazy, and honestly, but I don't we laughed a lot. Laughed heaps because remember we would narrate it. We were what? We'd talk about. Oh yes, we would narrate it. Yeah, <laughs> we'd be like, I don't know how much swearing you can have, but oh, like. Fair bit. Crazy guy, motherfucker, and That's you'd be right. like, "You, <laughs> yeah." No, it was really, which is interesting because it's very much a counterpoint to our our actual personality. Mm. So you know, it's not like we would normally that. correct, like that, but true. needed to get it out in a in a safe environment, which it was. Oh, it was bliss, wasn't it? It was like we would yeah. we would shut all the doors and turn off our phones and then turn them back on an hour later. But sit there, yeah. have our wine and cheese. And I think your doctor said ease up on the wine and cheese life. <laughs> <laughs> it was yep. so fun. But look, we're, yeah. uh, it's great that you share the spirit of what we had and have together. Thank you so much, beautiful. Yeah. Oh, it was just, and you know what? The other thing I remember is the laughing. Yes. The crying, laughing. That was so good for me and still is. And I, Zach and I talk about that. We just go, there's nothing better than just laughing so hard. It's such good therapy. It's so and get true. And the stress out. It's so true. So, I can't wait to yeah. come and see you guys. Um, and Well, you better. Not me. I will. <laughs> I promise you I will. You are on the list. But I, and, and my good. audience don't know this, but and I will say it over – on air, but I've been affected by the floods, so I've got to gut my house out and get all that sorted first. Oh, and then I'm going nice. to come. Up, I'll come up and see you guys once that's all settled down. So yeah, okay. I'm re- so I'm recording podcasts through through trauma. It's awesome. <laughs> no, I'm only joking. Oh. I'm, I'm managing quite well, thank you. But oh, listen to to our audience though, they do not know so much about you as yet. 
But let me tell the audience (laughs) that Joe has spent like 30 years directing Neighbours, Home and Away, Footballer Wants a Wife, Wonderland with the beautiful book Satchwell, Celebrity Love Island, After Sun and Crash Palace and so many more things I don't think. No, Echo Point, Above the Law, Ah, My Life is Murder. I did Darby and Joan just recently, and I've been doing a children's series called Rock Island Mysteries. I've done series one and series two. I'm just wrapping up the end of series two now, plus a bunch of other little things that I can't even remember, to be honest. (laughs) Yeah. No, you can't, though. It all becomes one, doesn't it, sometimes? Oh, yeah. People ask me what I've done, and I, I can rattle off a bit, but you were very good. You just remind me a whole bunch. Good. But then there's others I just go, I think I did that. <laughs> <laughs> it was a long time ago. You, it's funny. You actually have to look yourself up sometimes, don't you? And go, did I work? Did yep. I actually work on that? Hang on a sec. Or am I dreaming? Like, yeah. 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 <sighs> but Well, like, I've, I've had the situation where I've watched stuff and I'll go, this looks for a minute. Mm, yeah, maybe I've seen it before. <laughs> then I realise, no, I directed it. That's so yes, funny. It is starting to be that old, yeah. No, but it is scary. <laughs> you are watching things and you think, I remember that mug. I must have worked on that actual episode. Yes. Yeah, that's crazy. Or, or something, yeah, like that. Yeah, something will trigger your little memory. That's yeah. insane. So, yes, I've done that. Been around the block a few times. Been the, around the block a few times. Both of us have been around the block a few times. <laughs> and, look, I met your beautiful wife many years ago when I was a baby in the early 90s or, yeah, early 90s, I think I met Beck. And your yeah. wife does did lighting. And is currently about is going back into it. That's another <gasps> story. Go. So, yeah. There you go. And See, she- this is the thing. I, I, I was just going to say the thing about creative mm. is you need an outlet. Yep. So um, Beck's just done a full circle and, and tried a bunch of different stuff that mm. went, I really miss the people. I miss being around creatives and, and creating things. It's it's like it's, it's this part of you you cannot ignore. Yeah. So even if you think you can go and do a nine-to-five job, mm-hmm. chances are you can, but your your soul will suffer for it. Yeah, it's quite funny. Even doing these podcasts, a few ex-crew have reached out saying, Listening to you, oh, we miss the biz so much. And I'm like, well, get back into it. Just go for oh, it. Oh, man, it's, it's going off here in Australia now. Yeah. And I tell you what, if I have to, and this is nothing against young people, but I have to walk on a set again and half of them are under 20. Yeah. It's re- nothing wrong with that, but they just don't have the experience yeah. in certain departments to, to carry you along. So there are so many um, jobs happening now mm. that, you walk on most of the, well, I can tell you, the last three productions I've done, 50% of people have been inexperienced, which makes it really, really tricky for the experienced ones. Before, you know, I've always said for every person that doesn't or can't do their job, that's somebody else you have to carry across the line. Well, true. So it becomes it becomes very um, hard. It makes it you know, doubly difficult to do your job. Well, and I, think and yeah, I know they're learning, but it's just that that's the sheer amount of people that are required to do the jobs that they just, um, that, that, that we just don't have the trained crew for, Yeah, if that makes sense. Makes so, sense. so many productions, but not enough crew. Mm. So, 
So, so not enough experienced crew. So we encourage the retirees to come back and and have oh, a double again. Yeah. Well, listen, I was just working with somebody who was in their seventies. Um, well, actually, a couple of them were in their seventies, but one of them had just gone. Um, she'd gotten a phone call. She was having a happy little life um, as a retiree in Cairns, and she went, "Oh yeah, I can do that." She came down. She was a gun, well, an absolute see. gun. See? And she hadn't done anything for like 10 or 15 years. But, you know, wow, it was great. It was really good. Very impressive. Well, and, and that's the beauty I've always said as a makeup artist, but it does carry across every single department in the media is the generations. So as a makeup artist, if you have a young person come on set with you and they're showing you all the latest hairdos and hairstyles and makeup stuff that you probably haven't come across because they're young and they're, buying so much new stuff to get their kits up. Yeah. We've got, you know, a well-established kit already. So you kind of learn a little bit from the young guys. Oh, absolutely. That's why I don't want to poo-poo them coming in. I'm just saying that that the the experience, you need somebody in each department that you can uh, learn from and learn properly from. And then you're right that what the, the younger generation bring in is is fantastic because, yeah. you know, there might be, you know, um, technological things. Like, yeah. for instance, you know, the endless, endless, endless inserts and things you've got to do on phones mm. these days because yeah. all, you know, the scripts rely heavily on the information travelling through a phone, through a message or through an app or through whatever, and you're doing an insert of that. Sometimes you're like, why can't I do this? And some nineteen-year-old <laughs> will come over and go, "You just do this." Just so go like, like that. You go, "Thank you, <laughs> thank you." So you know, true. so <laughs> and and so they can they can get the phone or the laptop or the whatever to do what we need to do. Yeah. So, so yeah. So there's a lot of cross pollination. Absolutely. Well, and, and I was going to say so, also with the with the oldies as hair as hair and makeup artists, they really do know how to do a set from the 60s and the 50s and the 40s, you know, because oh, they, they grew up with it. And it's yeah. it's the same with storytelling as well, I imagine, as a director, that if, you know, if you're doing a 40s or a 50s or a 60s, 70s, mm-hmm. 80s storyline, you lived through the 60s, 70s and the 80s, so you really understand the vibe. Yeah. And when they, bring yeah, some, absolutely. when they bring something modern in to tell that story, you go, that doesn't belong there. Oh, I know. Look, I, I recently watched a series. Uh, I won't say what it was, but um, <laughs> I, I was like, I had a twitch in my eye because I'm like, no, 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 no. Set in the eighties, and I'm going, no, 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 no. That's not right. Yeah. But you know, you, then I've got to go. You've got to put one foot in each can because you've got to go. The average punter mm-hmm. wouldn't know. Correct. The average punter is not as old as me and didn't go to that place or wasn't part of that group of people. Yeah. So they don't they don't see the little things that aren't quite right. Mm. But it's just like, you know, when people do specialised movies about, oh, I don't know, say. Abba, um, or, or 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 um anything like any particular things jockeys or the oh, military yeah. people that are jockeys and people that are in the military will be rolling their eyes going well that's not a hundred percent correct yeah. too Police. so you know you got to have your foot in the camera and go all right well yeah. I accept 
that, you know, what do they call it, poetic license. You've yep. got to accept the poetic license without getting all, you know, uppity about that. Nobody had those jackets at that time or whatever. Gosh. Although I do because I'm a pedant. I'm, I'm a details girl. <laughs> <laughs> you are. I do it with everything. I do it with films and series and I go, no, 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 no. But anyway. Yeah. And this was the amazing thing working with you. I, I've got to let the audience know that, you know, I'd be on set and reading my script and I'd, oh, my goodness, Joe's directing this one. Woohoo! You know, that's like one of my <laughs> mates right next to me all day, every day. But yeah. it wasn't just me. I would see young kids jumping up and down with excitement going, what are they happy about? And they're like, Joe's doing it, Joe's doing it. And then no, that's so sweet. The, even the 21-year-olds and the 30-year-olds and definitely the 50-, 60-, 70-year-olds. How well, did I think you... go? I was about to add that and go, how did I do that? How, how did I get that response from oh, people? Because yeah. people would say it to me. This isn't – I'm not trying to sound arrogant, but this isn't no. a surprise to me that people would say this directly to me. Yeah, I think I at the base of it all is it's just human – Respect. Mm-hmm. I respect you for what you do and who you are. Mm-hmm. All I ask in return is you respect me. So it's about listening and hearing people and seeing people. Yeah. That's all it is. That's all it takes. And I don't care if you're the runner or you're the executive producer. I will speak to you and have time for you if, if you've got something to say. Quite often, I will even ask you if you've got something to say. Mm-hmm. I, I would always, whoever was standing around the monitor, go, ah, what do you reckon? You know, yeah. and just you know, people would be bowled over by that. But it is a collaboration. Being a director, shooting, being in that entire environment on set—it's mm-hmm. a collaboration. And anybody that tells you different is, I think, fooling themselves. Yeah. Because no person is an island. You cannot be whole as bowl as the creator of every angle, every color, every. Um, hairstyle. I mean, you know what? There's, there's a other. You've got to allow other people to bring in what they are brilliant at, their creative section of the whole. So, for instance, costume, hair, makeup. I'm not going to prescribe and say it has to be this. I'll go. It's kind of along this line. What do you got? And yeah. then that person feels free to interpret and be creative. And you go, I love that. Or maybe we could just do this rather than being prescriptive and saying it must be. Now, apply that to actors, apply that to, you know, camera, everybody, just everybody, lighting. I'm I'm open to their interpretation of it as well. It's about guiding and moulding but not forcing. Mm-hmm. Not controlling. I think – and not controlling. I mean, you can have an overall control. You, ha- you have to as the director. Set. So, yeah. Yeah, because you need to be able to deliver what's required. But within that, there's heaps of room for collaboration and and for people to feel comfortable enough, Jules, and this is the most important thing, everybody needs to feel comfortable enough to ask questions, suggest something, or do their very best. Go that little bit harder, a little bit higher, try something different. You know, I don't ever want anyone to feel beaten down or or to do something just the way I, I like it. That's, that's not on. I didn't train as a hair makeup artist. I didn't train as an actor. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So for all those years, people have 
you know, put their heart and soul into their career, mm-hmm. I'm looking at them going, well, what do you got? I'm not telling them what to do. I'm asking them what can they do, which is different. It's just, it just makes for a much, much happier, productive, fun environment, and I just get great results. Without sounding like a wanker, no, I do. get great results because everybody wants to do their best and everybody wants to try something or or um, or extend themselves in some manner or feel comfortable enough to go, hey, can I try this? I'm like, yeah, give it a go. And if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. But if it does, woo you know, like that that's so important. And I still, every day when whatever show I'm on, I still do that because I'm like, we are here together all day, every day for long hours, more than we have, with that time we have on set, is much more than we have with our own families and friends and loved ones. Yes. So <laughs> let's make it happy yeah. and fun because I don't want to be miserable. Uh, and it, that that whole, you know, that uh, that stress environment yeah. can get really toxic and you don't want that. You want people to just be able to have a laugh, get it all out and, and have fun together and and feel creative you need a really positive environment you know and that toxicity can create people to go mad literally crazy in a working environment yeah. and go home and be, feel crazy it's it's really not right and no your, it's not your right. formula's way better well it's worked so far <laughs> yeah, exactly. i mean it's worked you know i for, for the most part, there are exceptions, of but, course. But, but honestly, you know, um, well, honestly, I can't believe it because you, just to put it in perspective for producers that you've worked for and people that are listening and, and want to be actors and just the audience at home in general, you ha- so many of our successful Hollywood actors from Australia have been directed by you in the making of true. them becoming that. <laughs> So yes. you, yeah. you are one of, you know, we know that there's a, a good set of 50 directors that are constantly working like hair and makeup artists, yeah? We know yeah. there's a lot of good directors around, but you really have had your foot well and truly planted in some of the fastest turnaround high-volume TV that we've ever made in this country. How did yes, you do and it? You know what? <laughs> well, I, I fondly say when anybody asks me, and people do, they still ask me, I had a couple of interns just a few weeks ago, and they would have been 16 or 17, they're like, how did you do it? How did you do it? They said to me. They were young boys, by the way. I said, I punched my way to the top. (laughs) And what I mean by that is I just, when I was younger, I just kept pushing. I just kept pushing until people would give me a go. Yeah. Um, having said that, I got I got there when I was thirty. I got I became a director when I was thirty. I was going to ask that. And you would think, oh, well, you know, that's amazing. You got there, but I might have gotten there, but I haven't arrived because I still have to fight for every job I get. Yeah. And that and that is about being a woman about being an open lesbian woman. Yes. And I say lesbian because 
Most people say, oh, gay. But gay takes the description into a, an area where the person that's hiring you feels comfortable. Right. And I'll talk about that a bit more later if you like. Do it. Well, what I'm trying to say is that... I think they're important topics to talk about. We don't, we don't discuss them. You know, and I'm not, I'm not young and therefore can't be put into that emerging group. Yep. Um, I'm extremely experienced. But, and then I go, is that intimidating for them? Is it? I don't know. I just don't know. I'm pondering the question, but I feel like I sense their uncomfortableness. And I would say I'm not wrong here because in every aspect of my life, when I'm interacting with people who are not LGBTIQ, um, I can sense their uncomfortableness and then I can sense my own overcompensating for them being uncomfortable. Right? Yeah. You know what I'm saying. You're yeah. laughing because we do it every day. We do. Yep. And and, and they roll their eyes when you say that. But it is a challenge every single day. There's a homophobic Every single like, day. Yep. Or, or a look or, or just yeah. them being a little bit uncomfortable. So yeah, then yeah. you've got to be, uh, you know, you're doing one of two things. You're either going, I can't, I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to go out of my way to make you comfortable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or you are going out of your way yep. to make them comfortable. And anyway, so I, I digress. But what I'm saying is I wonder if that is part of why um, I don't immediately get offered these jobs. I have to – most of the time, to be clear, the jobs I do get are through people who already know me, whether they're heterosexual or not. Yeah. But they know me and know not to be intimidated – Totally. By my physical appearance, which is short hair. I have, I have so much love know. for you that I don't even know what you're talking about when you say your <laughs> physical appearance because I see you and I turn into absolute mush. Well, I, I don't think I'm like, you know. You're not, you you're not, not blokey blokey hardcore. No, I'm no, not overly butch, not. but I am boyish yeah. and I am forthright. Yeah. You know I'm forthright. So... Um, I love that. And then I wonder if that is what intimidates people, is well, what I'm trying to get at. I don't know. You're a, Because you're I don't directing. know what else it could be. Yeah, but you're a director, so producers and directors have to be somewhat forthright. Well, exactly. You, yeah. Or do you? Or do you? See, now I wonder about a lot of these new mm. shows, and then there's a plethora of them They're everywhere on for all the platforms, all the networks, whether the producers want someone that's a bit younger yeah. Well, maybe in my case, a lot younger, um, and therefore malleable. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. You know. Yep. Um, but I, I, I question that as well because how would they know they've not worked with me? And the other thing that I'd like to do one day is I want to hold a course for producers and executive producers and creators and teach them how to read an IMDB or a CV of somebody. And the, the thing that I would like to teach them is, if you see that someone's done this, oh, look, they did this, this job and they did that job and they did this show and that film, were any of them repeat um, 
engagement where they ever asked back. Yep. Because that's the tell. If someone hasn't been asked back to do something, there's a reason. Yep. And nobody seems to be able to read that and go. So what I see is a whole bunch of people getting jobs all the time. You're thinking, God, they don't know that this person may not be up to it. What they're reading is, oh, they did this job, but they don't see that they've been asked back. So, for instance, if they never asked back for a second series or a second block within a series. Yeah, definitely a second block. They need to sort of go, why is that? I just, you know, it's just my little bugbear. I'm going, why can't people see that? So what happens is that there's certain people that will jump from production to production or, or small um, one-off uh, little guess roles. little shows. But, but eventually what happens, and that's got to be the case, although they, all of these productions are, are expanding exponentially, eventually what happens, they, they just burn the bridges of all the major ones. <laughs> you see yes. it. I mean, I've watched them going, okay, well, there's no none of the bigger productions for you to go for now because yeah. you burn all those bridges. Wow. But, yeah, anyway, that's just me. I don't want to – and that goes across the board. That's not just for um, directors. Yeah. You know. That's crew. That's talent. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, yeah. and and you do say you're as good as your last job. It's kind of true. It's kind of true, but it's not fully true. But it's nice to get asked asked back on some of those harder jobs because you know you're doing something right. Yeah. Well, that's exactly right. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and it's nice to be asked back because people, you know, then you, you, everything that you're doing is being seen, it's being yeah. recognised, and not just for you. And I mean, it's like anything, Jules. You know, you go on a show, and you know as well as I do, there can be somebody in that crew, and you're like, any and anywhere, and then you'd be like, really? Yep. <laughs> is this going to be difficult now? You immediately go, oh my gosh, here's this person again. And you know, it might not be, um, it might be something or someone that was, you know, it might be five years ago or ten years ago, yeah. Or it might be, this is the person you've heard about. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah, and I one. don't. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. And I don't understand why. Well, two things. I don't understand why people can't learn from their mistakes. Yeah. And I can't understand why people then still um, employ those people when they know that that's going to not be in the best interest of your cast and crew. For instance, I my recent The Kids Show that I did, we had a no dickheads policy. And that was what we called it. <laughs> Straight up the head, no dickheads. Because oh, well, you don't want... You don't want negative people around kids. You no. just don't. Yep. And it's an incredibly difficult show that we were shooting, complex, with a lot of comedy and a lot of VFX and stunts and, you know, you, you just they, you just don't want that extra stress in there. Yeah. You know. Absolutely. Um, but but it's, it's super important. It's super important to, to have good people who want to be there around you. And even if they, anyway, I digress. and even if even if some people are struggling and, and struggling to be there that day, but you know, support them, 
and back them and see if you can get these great results out of them um, and back yourself and back your team members. And if, you, if you're feeling really crap on one day, try and make the step up that little bit more on the next day. You don't need that misogynistic, oh, yeah. <laughs> um, controlling, powerful person coming in and toxifying young people's minds. And you've got, you, you're working with mm-hmm. developing human beings in their developmental stages as actors right. as well. So you, and as human you beings. Have, yeah, and as human <laughs> beings in particular. So you mm. that that caution to the wind is is vital to be honest. That's that's trust. Yeah, how, yeah, how and you, you know, know, and it's and then all your crew and your cast are your family when you're on a show. You know, and you need to. Yes, people have bad days. Absolutely, they do. But you know, you can support them through that. But but what I can't abide is when there's somebody there that just has the wrong attitude. Yeah, you know, and it's it's yeah, it makes it very tricky for everybody. Jules, I guess we need to acknowledge that the reason we are in the arts mm. is because we don't fit in the rest of the world. We're yeah. just square square pegs and round holes. Yeah. So you you love the fact that everybody thinks differently and behaves differently to be creative but that also attracts people that may have other issues as well (laughs) other than just being different yeah you might you might have people that have um unresolved trauma yes and you can excuse that but then you have a whole cohort well you can excuse that because that's your personality honey that's a, that's a yeah. that's a really big statement, and it's a, well, a, I, a compassionate I, one at that. Well, thank you. But then you know, I'm about to say, but then there's a whole bunch of entitled, privileged <laughs> white men. There are generally middle-aged or older. Yes. That honestly, I go, why? Are you being such an asshole, or why are you being so mean, or why are you so cranky all the time? Because, oh, I don't know, life's been pretty bloody good to you. Oh, yeah, <laughs> hasn't it? What? Yeah. Where's Where's the struggle? I'm I'm failing to see it. You yeah. know, and I know people have personal struggles. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. But as a collective group, I go. Yeah. Not all. I'm not saying all. There are some absolutely gorgeous, amazing, brilliant, lovely middle-aged white men out there that do some fantastic work. Don't get me wrong, there but is. I'm just saying there is a collective of others, sometimes in power, sometimes mm. not. Mm-hmm. But it's kind of like you've got to be really careful with your balance in the crew these days because you get this sort of if you tip it one way or another, you can still get that. And I. And I know you know what I'm talking about when I get that pack mentality. Yeah. <laughs> on certain sets. And it's just like, oh, God, no. Oh, yeah. I don't tolerate it. If it ha- if I'm the victim of that, I always mm. make stands for myself. You, you, yes. have, you have to. Um, and, and most of the time, thank goodness, there's someone like you on standby that will also have your back. That's very important that we have each others backs and it's appropriate Absolutely. and honest and authentic mm-hmm. and orga- organic 
you know? Yes. If you know. Yeah, and I think and I think that's part of what it is with you and I. Going, well, we're not, we are completely openly, mm. you know, yeah. gay and lesbian, and we yes. don't try and hide that. So people have to check themselves, <laughs> you know? It scares me sometimes. Um, you, you get that look in their eye. It's like, it's like I don't know. I, I don't, I'm not sure what I can say to be honest to to articulate what I'm trying to say. But it's it is that I do not like gay people look in someone's eye, and it's 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 kind of frightening. It doesn't really intimidate me, but it makes me sick. Yeah. It, it, yes, I know exactly what you mean, and yeah. and you go. Go and learn some things. Yes, but then it's the the other thing, Joe. This is the thing. Mm. If somebody is homophobic, let's make this very, very clear. Because I say this to my girlfriends when they're dating men: introduce him to three or four gay guys. If he is, and and three or four lesbian friends of yours, because if he's homophobic, he's also misogynistic, and he's probably also. Racist, right? Yeah, because they generally go hand in hand. So it's a really good way to expose your men to showing their true colours. Is introduce them to a couple of your lesbian friends and your 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 gay mates. Yeah, because you can see yeah. it. It's pretty obvious. But anyway, go on. You do you remember what you were going to say? <laughs> um, no, something just along the lines of um, yeah. There's nothing nothing worse than than seeing that look in their eye and thinking. Mm. So you go two ways, as I mentioned earlier. Either you overcompensate, or you you um, sort of just stand up that little bit straighter and stare back, you know. Um, so, yeah. but the other thing that I can do, and I have done, mm. is when I realise that some of these people have never been exposed to um, a older woman lesbian who is their director who's leading the crew do you know what i mean yes so i go well you're in for an experience because i'm going to show you just how wonderful it can be that's so there's that that's that other thing where you go okay i'm just going to educate you but i'm going to do it subtly i'm not going to stand up there and talk politics no. gender politics exhausting. or uh, queer politics it, yeah it is exhausting you can't <laughs> do it all the time it's just, and let me tell you the older that you get the less inclined you are yes. but what i do is try to lead by example and go and be inclusive to yeah. everybody and just show them how um, amazing it can be if you just stop seeing the things that those people that are different to you, you stop seeing the differences and start seeing the similarities. Well, isn't you that – it's so interesting that you say that because I wrote notes for myself going ha- – what is Joe's key to success with her talent? And you just said it. I was going to try and pull it out of you, and you just said it yourself. <laughs> I see you doing that. You know I do that too, and that's yeah. That makes me feel it's, good inside when I do that. It does because it's disarming them with by charming them. Yeah, and well, then yeah. and then they feel more relaxed, and then they start to see you as a person, and they start to see you as a kindred spirit and a creator. And a creator, and and so then it's like cool. This is cool. That's cool. And in some ways, when I was younger, when I was much younger, <laughs> yeah, um, 
and probably much cuter. <laughs> um, Come on. What was what was good about that with particularly young men, because you know young men can't help themselves. Everything's yep. sexual, sexualized. <laughs> um, what it did was take all that that politicking out for them. So I had I had a, lots of really really strong relationships with young heterosexual men because we were just friends. Yeah, there was nothing in it. They didn't have to, you know. They didn't have to uh, think about that, or alternately, force them to not think about that mm. in a relationship. If you know what I mean. So oh. a, a friend as a friend, then you're like a safe friend. It's Does amazing. I love having my heterosexual male friends because I know there's nothing there and, well, most of the time there's not. Some of them can surprise you. But <laughs> <laughs> but most of the time there's that non-threatening, nice and relaxed and you can talk about so yeah. many other things and be so many other things because it just is. That's right. And, you know, I still have those men in my life, and one yeah. of them is, in fact, my best friend on earth. So, you know, it's, it's not like... Well, do you want to say who I that should, is? Should, he might deserve a, just his first name. <laughs> Jonathan. Jonathan. I even know who you're talking who about. I've you're known good. him since he was a very young lad. Good um, boy. But um, I guess I should point out, so it's not like... I I don't want to I don't want your audience to think that I come across as some um, you know a, le a lesbian with lots of issues um, <laughs> that that is anti um, anti heterosexual men or anything yeah. like that not you're at not, all not, not, a, I know not, not, not at all but they're not my best friends are all straight so except for one couple one other lesbian couple they're all straight. Which, you know, I think says a lot about how you move in the world. Yeah. So it's not, I don't, it's just who, the way I feel like I connect to people is that I connect to people. It's regardless of their um, uh, preference, you know. Or status. Race, religion, status. Yeah, none of that. It's mm. just. Who I connect with, you know those, you know those people that you I just do. connect with. They're yeah. everywhere. It's beautiful. They are, yeah. And yeah. I would, just, I wouldn't want to close myself off from having those friendships in any way, shape, or form because of, you know, um, gender politics. Yeah, they're separate. That's just a, you know, we're, it's our cross to bear, I guess, mm. which does not necessarily. Uh, impact um, every relationship you have. But having said that, all of my heterosexual friends, including the men, are what I would call allies in the first place. For sure. So, yeah. I love those they get boys. It, and they, they can do. see it. And that's amazing. Because you know, as well as I do, that sometimes you think, am I going mad? Am oh, I going mad? Am I just yeah. reacting? Yep. And then it takes somebody else who's to validate and go, no, I saw that. I see that. Mm -hmm. I understand what you're saying. Yeah, or goodness, a group, you know? or a group of them to start attacking you and another crew member. Yeah, as you said, standing up for you. That's happened. Yeah. to both of us, I'm sure, on set at oh, one yeah. stage or another. 
And that's what yeah. I love. I do love those boys, those hetero boys that that hear other other um, straight boys ask me really inappropriate sexual questions, questions. about mm. gay sex, and those boys report it. And then everyone thinks it's me that's reported it. And it's like I said nothing. Yeah. I don't need to say anything yeah. because I know I know there's I know there's a lot of really good people that understand yeah. understand what's appropriate and what's not. And there's children around, yeah. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. There's, there are always children around. And it's like, are you for real? But also, you, no one's got any excuse anymore because no. of all of the um, the um, Oh, what am I? What are they called? You know, all of the uh, information that you're given on every show you start on. Yeah. About um, anti-discrimination and victimisation and things like that. It's clear as you know, it's clear, crystal clear what is required of you on set. It is a professional space, and you're around children. Uh, you might be around differently abled people, so you, you just can't be, you know, yeah, saying the same shit as you've always said, or getting away with it. Certainly, you know, in in the casting stakes, we try very hard to, to have everybody um, open to roles, regardless of race or, um, you know, uh, sexuality, religion, or um, their physical ableness. We just, we just mix it up. So you can't ask those people that are getting the opportunity of their lives to come on set and then to hear that sort of, uh, you know, yeah. blokey, racist, misogynist, sexist, cruel, you know, jokes. It's not on. Maybe there needs to be a 15-minute a, a meeting every couple of weeks. <laughs> about this topic oh, on each set. Oh, you think. Although, you know, having said that, I certainly didn't experience that on this, this latest show that I've been on. Yeah. Or the last three shows I've been on, I have not experienced that at all. Yeah. Which is fantastic. Isn't it? You know, I'm like, this is... Who's got time to even have that sort of uh, negative machismo crap anyway, you know? I... I I'm so busy just working, and I want everybody else to be focused. I don't want them to be totally. um, being sidetracked by bad behaviour or offensive behaviour or boys club bullshit. You know, I, I just, you know, I want people to just be basically having the time of their lives. You know, I want them to look back on this time and go, that was a great job, that was great fun, I mean, or... You know, that was hard, but fun. So I've been on jobs with you. You've been there where it's so much fun at work and then I go out to a party or a club and I'm like, I'm having more fun at work. <laughs> but, yes, definitely. And, and working really hard, I might say, but be mm. because of the ability to engage and connect organically and find laughter in in, in all those little breaks that you have, yeah. rather than putting fear into somebody or frightening somebody or controlling somebody. You know, as an artist, if you start controlling somebody, you can't create anymore. It, it, That's right. It's not it, 
it actually takes the art out of it when you're being dictated exactly what to do and how to do it. And now some jobs do require that if you're in a in a meeting and you're branding a particular product in advertising. That, yeah. that can be a little bit different. But when you're doing creative dramas or comedies and someone says, no, you need to go right, not left with that back combing or combing that hair that yeah. way. And it's like, come on now, jeez. Yeah, so. I, I, well, it does. It. It, it it takes all of the creativity out of it. And that's what I was saying earlier. Somebody that's trained for years to do hair and makeup, mm. I'm not going to come in and tell you how to do it. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to. Yeah, you know, throw some ideas around, yep. and then I'm going to let you create. Yeah, and then we're going to talk about the end product. It's, I, I think, yes, I don't understand that level of wanting to control slash crush any creativity out of people because you just, you just, get, you get a very very narrow spectrum mm. of creativity then. Yeah, and it can be all yours. <laughs> you know, That's right. and I, but I can guarantee if you if you uh, expand your uh, horizons a little and let everybody come in and be be collaborative, you will get a much, much better project uh, out of the whole thing. Well, absolutely. And I, I, I often say a thousand pairs of eyes or 50 pairs of eyes are way better than my two pairs, my, not two pairs, my pair of eyes. Do you know what I mean? So if everyone's looking at the monitor, they might see something that I haven't seen. Yeah. And I want them to be able to go, hey, Joe, I saw this, and feel like they can say it to me instead yeah. of going, oh, no, you know. <laughs> so, and it saved me many and many a time because I tell you what, I do not want to get into that edit suite and then see on the giant monitor versus my tiny little monitor on location or yeah. wherever that there's a problem. Yeah. That there's a boom shadow or a boom in or, or, you know, somebody driven the wrong era car in the background or something, you know, or yeah. could be anything. But I'd rather, much rather find out right there and then <laughs> than when I get into the edit where I can't do anything about it. Yeah, because we all have to then go back and film it the next day or the week after. Or, or you, some <laughs> or other ridiculous way. You all cut it, exactly. Yeah. So, but yeah, yeah. Uh, well, yeah. And this is kind of indicative of what I was going to ask you with um, working with, as opposed to new talent, working with 30-year-old yeah. characters. And oh, yeah. Uh, I'm, look, they're so set in their character and no doubt set in their ways, but if they're a true artist, they're also not. They're still allowing themselves to be vulnerable with you. Did you find it yeah. difficult to work with a thirty-year-old established mm. character? How do you how did no, you do that? No, it's so so no because the the first thing is you've they need everybody needs to be seen and heard, right? Yeah. And some people feel like you know even though they've been doing it for thirty years, maybe they're feeling like they're part of the furniture mm. w without being sort of still listened to or heard. Got it. So I always make sure I, I have a bit of a chat and they understand that I respect them and I respect what they do. And the other thing that I say, and I say this to heaps of the um, principal um, actors on Fast Turnaround yep. television, I say you are the gatekeeper of your character. You are because you're the one constant. Mm. 
you get all of the different directors in, you get all the different writers. Hell, you've, some of you have gone through five or six producers or, or executive producers. So you have to be the gatekeeper of your character. So I'm going to listen to what you're saying about your character and then we're going to have a chat about how that affects the arc or in this situation, this particular scene or what we do. I let them tell me how that they, they want to play it or what they think about it and then I will suggest stuff if I think it will be... Beneficial to them uh, and, and their character. Yeah. Yeah, in a way that will help the overall story, yeah. you know, because you don't you don't want them to dig their heels and go, well, I'm just doing it this way and bad luck. Yeah. Because I know better. Yeah. You've got to kind of say, well, you know, bigger picture, and this happens in these things that you're not in, and this is why. Um, um, a lot of them will always actually trust me and, and call out to me and go, what do you reckon, you know, what do you reckon, JT, or what do you reckon, Joey? And I'll go, oh, yeah, pretty good, but what if we did this, you know, or maybe a little bit more there, and they'll go, yep, or or, the, or just, just try one completely different. And they're always open to that. I've never had anyone shut me down. Love it. So, but like I said, needs to be seen, needs to be heard, you know. Well, and Everyone does. That's just a basic human um, right. need. Yeah. Everyone needs to be seen. Everyone needs to be heard. So true. And it costs you nothing to be kind. That's the other thing I always say. See? And that's what I saw a lot of. So how do you, how do you, I mean, so these old, older um, uh, dramas, series, Mm -hmm. how do you, uh, there's so many characters. So I don't understand how you like connect all the DNA to all the characters in the storyline and then, Next week you might have a new family arrive and you've got five new characters that you've got to put into that family tree. How do you do that, honey? I see you passionately working really hard at work and I see you passionately coming home and working really hard at home on it. Yeah. Um, look, you, you, do, you do it because you have to. It's part of the job. Yeah. But also um, you... You, it's, I'll just say this because, you know, with those family trees, it can be so confusing. Yeah. Once you've got a show that's over 30 years old, it's like, holy, you know. So you're the second cousin, blah, 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 blah. I don't try and understand that. Okay. I just understand a little bit of the history, just yeah. a little bit. That's all I need. And the rest is about the relationships. Okay. How are you relating to this person and why? That's all it is. And once you understand the relationships or you have a handle on the bigger story of how those relationships propel the story. Yeah. You're right. You're right to go. And the other thing I would say about that, and this goes back to the, you know, 50 pairs of eyes watching, Mm. watching the monitor. So the other thing that really helps you do a good job is to trust your gut. So especially with, um, performances and and the overall feel of a scene. Yeah. If I'm watching the monitor and something doesn't feel right, and I can't always articulate what it is, mm. I just trust my gut and go, "Let's go again." Sometimes I can go, "You know what? It's this moment in here. This this speech needs to be faster, 
or slower or you need to react here or sometimes the timing, especially comedy stuff, sometimes the timing isn't quite right and all it needs is another go, another run and bang, you know, it's perfect. So it's about trusting your gut. So sometimes I've been in a situation where I'm looking at the monitor and I can't work out what's wrong but something's not quite right. It's not obvious. It's just a just a feeling. I've seen. And that. I will say some to someone around me. I can't. Right. Something's not right. I just can't work out what it is. Yeah. And I've even had runners go, "Is it because of this?" Yeah. And I'll go, "No, it's not because of that." And then someone will go, "Oh, is it this?" And I'll go, "No, it's not that." And then someone will say, "Is it this?" And I'll go, "You know what? It fucking is." You know. Because I'll have that conversation because sometimes your brain is doing a thousand things. Mate, it's like, it's like a crossword. Sometimes it's so much easier to have someone just help. To, yep. Or, or it's sometimes just even talking about it, yeah. even if it's not it, yeah. it helps you articulate what, what it, it is. is. yourself. And so I, that, that collaboration I was talking about and the, and the 50 pairs of eyes, that really, really helps me as as a director and I'm not I am not so proud or up myself to think that other people can't have good ideas. Sure. You know, because people do. They do they definitely do. And I want our yeah, audience I, to understand that you are um you won an award in two thousand and ten as best director in T V drama serial Australian Directors Guild Awards. You won? Yeah. In two thousand and ten. Just just quietly. And then I, I don't know if you knew this or not, but in my random looking you up, I know so much about you already, but I was just trying to find some different <laughs> stuff. In the Scottish Daily Press, episode, yeah. episode, what was it? Episode, episode 4,773 yeah. of Neighbours, you came in at the top 10 best ever produced episodes of Neighbours. Did you know yeah. that? Well, I, I didn't. I didn't. Now and you do. <laughs> I don't even know what that episode was about because, you know. It was called just, Friends for 20 Years. I mean. Who, yeah. who was in it? What was it? I have I no idea. I probably did it what with did you. you? It, was it was in 2005 and I have no idea what it is. Yes. Well, I'm going to look it up. Okay. Look it up. <laughs> um, what did you say? It was four seven. Four seven seven three, four thousand seven hundred and seventy third okay. episode of Neighbours. Yep. Yeah. So. Okay. Um, yeah. Oh, it was the Neighbours. No, no, that's not it. What? I can't believe you can even. I'm just, just trying to work like it that. out. Um, yeah, here we go. From two thousand five. Oh, here we go. Here's the description. Uh, someone, uh, the general store. Is this really this? Have I got it right? Four, four, seven, seven, seven three. Yep, friends for twenty years. Oh, this is when Joe Mangle came back. Is it? Um, Gordon Sky chat about his abilities as a father. Boy, he can't imagine so... a better or dedicated dad. <gasps> um, suddenly they are interrupted by a loud man decked in an Akubra. It's none other than Joe Mangle. G'day, Chuck. Oh, there you 
There you go. And you remember um, that now? No. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know if I was there. Oh, it's the barbecue. Carl Slack displays with balloons and pretty party decorations. Susan and the entire cast come out to party. Right. Party tells Susan he's never seen Carl so bad. I don't know. There you go, though. Paul's in hospital, blah, yep. But you you came 10th. That's the 10th episode. So it was out of 10 10 top episodes ever produced by Neighbours, and that came in at number 10. So congratulations. You didn't even know that. Thank you. Didn't even know. As an actor, when you're coming on set, I'd say learning your script would be the biggest. That would be number one. Yes. Knowing your lines always helps. The other thing that I would say is, and this is uh, specifically for me, but I would hope most other directors would work like this. Um, the thing about directors is we don't work with each other, so it's hard to know <laughs> whether they work like you or not. So anyway, um, uh, the thing I would say is bring something to the table. So it's all very well that you learn your lines, but if you're just rote learning them, that doesn't help me um, help you to do a great performance. If you haven't got any ideas about how you might respond um, or how you might play a certain line or how you might um, have some sort of physicality in the scene, that means I have to think of that for you. And when I've got five to seven actors in in that space, then I've got to think of that for you. I'm that however many people are on set. Wow. And yeah. that's not cool because that's all funneled through me. What's cool is that you've gone home, learned your lines, had to think about it and go, you know what, I reckon this is how I would play this. And then that's what you do. We do a line run and then you say, hey, Joe, I was thinking I might try this. I mean, that's a fantastic idea. Or... I get where you're going, but maybe we can save that for later on in the arc, the story, or, or whatever. I like the idea that people will bring something else to the table. So they've really thought about their scene. and Yeah, they didn't have to. Uh, it, it doesn't take more than two minutes of because, course. again, you are the keeper of your character. Yeah. You would go, well, this is the kind of response okay. that um... I would have. Or you might think, you know, this is the perfect time for this character to do this thing that might have been this in a story that's been bubbling away for weeks or yeah. or months or whatever. Um, offer it up. Offer it up. Well said. That's what I would say. Well said. And this is one of my final questions to you, is, um, and it could open a can of worms. Is there anything that <laughs> frustrates you as a director that you would like to see evolve or change? What strikes me? Um, well, gosh, there's so many things. Got it. Um, what? I think probably sometimes things like um, the schedule being too tight because the writing has been too ambitious. So what happens is there's no there's no um, boundary sometimes with what's being written. 
so sometimes writers, especially younger ones, can see something in a movie or on an animation and think that it can happen on an everyday set and think you can shoot that. And you just simply can't. And so what ends up happening is because you end up with that script in your hand and then you think, shit, I've got to shoot this, you can't give it the the amount of special time you can't give it well it needs the the setup what it needs you can't do it so it's half assed yeah so you're you're set up to fail Mm. in that instance Mm. and that could be a storyline that might go through an entire block or through an entire month it might be a storyline that they go, oh, this is what we're going to do, but because of the time slot, you can't explore it properly. Right? So then, then it's, you know, staged and watered down to nothing. So then it's not this great story uh, because I've, you know what I'm saying. I you do, know, and, then I've seen, and then I've seen it get cut out completely. Because, that, yeah. Correct, and then it gets completely cut because yeah. the network are like, wait, what? What happened and to it's you? Like, yeah. Why did you let it get this far? Do you know what I mean? And uh, so I get frustrated when they put the car before the horse. Okay. Um, so that, there's that, that. So I'm not having a go at anyone scheduling it for me because they no. can only do what they can only do. I'm yeah. saying it really needs to be addressed before, you, before you're given the director's script. Mm. So, yeah, and I think the thing is that people that write it and the people that read it quite often don't have any onset experience, so they don't understand what's required. Yeah. That's fair enough. It's not your job to be have onset experience, but you should have somebody in that process that has onset experience so they can go, I don't think we really can do this plane crash. <laughs> yeah. In a twenty-two minute episode, uh-huh. when you got a day to shoot it, you know, like yeah. no, no, there's that, those kind of things, and or people not going through the network and saying, "Are you okay with this story?" Got it. Before we shoot it, <laughs> so that's that's a frustration. Uh, frustration. My other frustration is cast members or crew members that don't want to be there. That I, I just, it, even if you don't want to be there, you're being paid to be there, so be there. But don't come with attitude that infects the rest of the the group. I'm with you on that That's really one. unfair. Mm-hmm. Mm. Be present, be in so, the moment. Absolutely, and do your best. Yep. Do your best, you know. It always helps, it, even as a makeup artist, uh, being present, being in the moment, actually watching what's on camera, be a part of the conversation as it's happening. Yep. If you need to yep. be. And just it helps, one, make you a better creator and, two, yep. it really helps better your day and the day moves smoother and fast if you're really oh, actively present. Absolutely. And, 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 you know, laughing off whatever's going on for you because we all know oh. that everybody has, Tough times. you know, things happen in their lives, their private lives, and I always say, I feel for you, but do not bring it to set. Yep, got it. I don't bring my stuff to set. Yep. You know, 
I have to deal with that in my own time because it's not that it's it's not that it's people aren't sympathetic we absolutely are but we are we have a finite amount of time we've got to get through it and it requires everybody to be that little piece of the jigsaw puzzle so we can complete the picture by the end of the day for the pain client yes <laughs> yeah yeah yep. and and you've got to see that everybody is here for the 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 same thing everybody wants the best end product yep. well everybody should want the best end product mm -hmm. um so yeah so i guess it's that i just i like a very um egalitarian set i want everybody to be equal and work hard oh wow and, and you are holding you know. workshops aren't you oh yes yes <laughs> you actually I do are. Do you actually are yeah. though aren't you yes i could see yeah, that i've got were. one next week and i might have another one in a few yeah. weeks time and i do that when you know in between gigs yeah. so um just here and there good on you uh because I love doing them because it, it's I like to tell young actors or even older actors or new actors regardless of age the truth about this process and what happens when you walk on set and I will be absolutely clear about the entire process I demystify it and I encourage everybody to ask me any questions about anything anything I always say it doesn't matter whether you want to know, did I really work with Margot Robbie and did she really, you know, stuff a little lip, lipstick thing up her nose? Yes, she did. You know, there's yes. all those sorts of things. You know, or what the hell is a gaffer? What's a best boy? I don't understand. You know, it's all that sort of yeah, stuff. Yeah, what's the but difference just, between a best boy and a gaffer? Help. Yeah. yeah. And just demystifying the entire process for them. Yep. Um, and tell them the honest truth about how, how it all works, how, what happens from the moment you get cast. And, and a lot of people are quite shocked and surprised yeah. about how it's not like a Hollywood movie. You know, so there is true. no time. There's no time. You might not even meet me until you walk on set. True. Because that's the other thing, that there's things like the fact that, um, oh, that's what I was going to say earlier, the schedules now. You know, the schedules that we were used to for Home and Away and Neighbours, Yep. That is almost, you know, for, especially for location, not for studio as much. That is um, the same amount you get for one hour drama now. Wow. So you're still doing, you know, 12, 10 to 12 scenes, right, a day. And, and, you know, you don't, you get maybe these days one or two rehearsals maximum before you're shooting. Wow, and that's so handy having as much rehearsal time as possible, really. Well, and this is the next thing I was going to say. You don't get any rehearsal time now. Uh, so say you get cast as a guest artist. You won't – it would be highly unusual for you to get um, – if, say, it's a small part, say it's only, you know, uh, half a dozen scenes, it would be highly unusual for you to get any rehearsal time. Gosh. Even on the one hour stuff, I don't get people I don't get people for rehearsal. Welcome to our set with your high anxiety levels and unfamiliarity. Mm -hmm. Three, two, one, action with no rehearsal, freak out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 
I mean, you get a little bit of a chat with me. Wow. We might do a blocking and then we'll do a camera rehearsal and then you're into it. Far out. So that's why well, you like... must come prepared and you must have something to bring to the table because there's just no time. There you go. And lucky if they yeah. get someone like you. Because well, yes. it can be scary. Yeah. It's very scary. It's very scary and I feel for them. I yeah. really do. I've, you know. I've acted in a few things. Um, Jason Gann wrote me into his Mark Love Sharon as a gay um, shopkeeper. Yeah. And, you know, mate, I grew up acting. You know, I was on stage mm-hmm. at the age of 10. I was so confident and I got the, a viral flu. And I can't tell you how horrible... I was on that day. And even yeah. he said your performance was so bad. I'll have to show it to you one day, Joey. But, yeah, you know, oh, no. no rehearsals. Oh. No, there was a bit of loving going on, so that did help. But, yeah, I didn't, yeah. I didn't do well. But you have to be prepared. You do. And you oh, have... Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That's, that's, that's it. Joey, you know? I, I cannot believe that we've been speaking for an hour and – Whatever. I don't know. I'm going to edit some of this, but not a lot. You're going to have to because I don't know how much is usable. <laughs> <laughs> Come on now. But thank you, my darling, so much for coming on. And and I really, one of the reasons why I wanted to get you on is because you're such an authentic person and I really wanted people to meet you over, um, you. over podcasting in the digital world. And, you know, yeah. you've, I was so privileged to work with you and privileged to be your friend. And they... To have them both under the same umbrella is not always that common, so I wanted everybody to hear this fantastic Australian director directing international stars with an ego of practically nothing, (laughs) just engagement. So thank you, and please thank Beck for allowing me to have you on on this weekend of yours for this amount of time. I really appreciate both of you so much. Thank you. 